Hello and welcome. I'm Joel Martin, the host of the Morning Bell podcast. I'm very pleased to present to you the first in a series of podcasts recorded live at the Somerset Celebration of Literature, which took place in the Gold Coast, Australia, from the 15th to the 17th of March. In this very first dual episode, Ian and I are joined by Alison Goodman and Rachel Craw. Alison's most recent novel is The Dark Days Pact, the second in the Lady Helen trilogy of supernatural Regency adventures. We've had her on the podcast before, and we were thrilled to have the opportunity to chat to her about her ongoing adventures. In the first part of this episode, we chat with Alison, and we hope you enjoy our conversation. I'll be back at the middle of the episode to introduce to you Rachel and present the second part of the discussion. Hello and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. My name is Joel Martin and today we're at the Somerset Celebration of Literature in the Gold Coast. Hey, I got it. It's, it's a bit of a mouthful, <laughs> but it's a nice mouthful. Put it that way. It's yeah. like eating a delicate soup. Mushroom soup in particular. Very smooth. In to tell us more about mushroom soup. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast. I'm the guest chef you, today. You are the guest yeah. chef. Yeah. Um, for all our listeners over there, we have a couple hundred school kids walking around, I providing mean, you with ambient, uh, ambient noise. <laughs> ambient noise. Yeah. yeah. They're very but, excited. Uh, it is the sound of learning, ladies and gentlemen. Sound of learning. That's Loving right. learning. Loving learning. Yeah. I see smiles on all these faces, yep. mostly. Because the sun's, the sun's out, that's why. That's right. The sun is out. Yep. The weather changes. As quickly as Melbourne, probably even worse. It's true, but it's um, but it, there's a there's a good spirit about the place. Yeah, it is great to be here. In uh, how are you finding the festival? Yeah, good. It's been very warm. There's mm-hmm. been a warmth of, of of temperature and a warmth of love, lit- literary love. Yes, that, that is just that is literary cheesy. love. Shall shall we give a little bit of insight into the um, accoutrement of our room? Well, yeah. So we're sitting right now under a. No, no, no. Uh, I mean our hotel room. Oh, the hotel room. Oh, yeah. It was One good. particular. They gave us a crib in they our gave hotel us a room. Crib. Yep. Yeah. So if we if we are planning to have a child, yeah, while we're here, we've got one. It's taken care of. Yeah. <laughs> not not a child, but a crib. A crib. Um. Anyway, yes, moving please. swiftly on, let's good. introduce our guest for today. You've heard her laugh. You've heard her laugh on the podcast before. It's Alison Goodman, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you very much. Great to be here again. Fantastic. So, Alison, how has your time been at the festival? What's going on? You know, I've been doing some sessions with the year 9s to 11s. And, um, yeah, just um, soaking up the vibe. Fantastic. It's a very good vibe. Uh, Have you had any sessions uh, planned for the week? Yeah, I've got a session today at 11.15 mm-hmm. and um, another one tomorrow. And then there's a literally long table, which I'll be attending, which is a good tucker. Fantastic. <laughs> That's good. And for those listening on iTunes, which I assume you will be, uh, it is the 16th of March here in the mm. sunny Gold Coast. Mostly sunny. Yeah. Um, so, Alison, tell us uh, how have you been in terms of your media as we move into the media, media section yeah. for today. And I think we all have one film that we're going <laughs> to talk all got, about. We've all got one film. Right. I went and saw Logan. Of course. I came out of the cinema shaking. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 I was just devastated. Okay. Wow. Devastatingly wonderful. All right. So before we start, yep. let's just say spoilers, everybody. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. Spoilers. If we have like spoilers. a beep boop um, musical cue, then we will put it yeah. on now. <laughs> yeah. But we don't because editing is hard. Um, so spoilers, everybody. If you don't want to hear about what happens to Logan, run away. Oh. 
There it is. All right, Spoiler alert. Big spoilers. So, Logan. So, Logan, talk yeah. to us, Allison. What yeah. was the experience like? You know, I went in expecting to be fairly, fairly kind of devastated. Mm. Yeah. Came yeah. out. I crawled out. It was wow. like, you know, oh my, I was a, just a, a, a smear of oil on the, gr- on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, I've been quite invested in the Wolverine character. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, part of it's the the wonder, the fact that you know Hugh Jackman does fabulous job of yeah, the character. Yeah. Yep. Um, and an Aussie actor doing you know so well in that thing. But the, mm. I mean, I think we're going to be talking about how a character in a series stays fresh. Yeah. And I think Logan is a fabulous example of that. Um, yeah. How to engage your audience with a character so much yep. that when, it, when the time comes for that character's departure... Yeah, <laughs> departure. Yep. I know there's a spoiler, but I can't quite say it. Yeah, you can't bring yourself to say um, it. Um, for then, grief reasons yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a big upheaval. Mm. Yeah. And I, I think it's interesting as well because for me, the previous uh, Wolverine movie, uh, which I'm forgetting, it was just the Wolverine. The wasn't, Wolverine. It didn't really ring my bell so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and that's surprising because it's the same writer director, I believe. Yeah, is it the same writer? It, th- one of the writers was was heavily involved. Right. Yeah. But I think what they also did is they embraced the fact. Look, in in terms of Hugh Jackman, he is getting older. So yeah, they that's just, right. They really just embraced that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that was something that worked really well for them. They kind of doubled down on it and said, "Okay, he's getting yeah. old. So what what would it look like?" And you know, if you boil down a story to that central question, what would it look like if you know Wolverine got old what yeah. and, and yeah. Professor X as well there was one of the things I had to slightly get over in terms of the um, character because being a regenerative character yeah. I'm thinking how's he going to get old yeah, yeah. Um, so they answered that very well with the, the poisoning aspect I, mm. I accepted that um, yep. you know and said yeah okay yeah fine uh, and it was interesting because it also gave a glimpse of what um, the new character had yes. in, in store for her mm. um, so I thought that was, was nice. And one of his final lines is, don't let them make you, yeah. you know, yeah. like, like me, basically, is yeah, what he's saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a feeling of passing the torch, passing yeah. the baton. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it was interesting in Logan that, let's talk about the storytelling aspect of this, and we have been, but I really want to double down on this. Let's talk about the bravery of risking something. Um, mm. I think superhero films have been the most guilty simply because they are part of big franchises yep. uh, about doing something that upsets the balance, doing something that's different. Um, Logan didn't care. No. You know. right, from the, right from the first image, you know, you're thinking, whoa. Yeah, this is different. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. different. This the is whole different. vibe yep. is different. Yeah. The, the colouring system of the, the movie yep. is different. Yep. Yeah. Um, and right from that moment, you get that feeling of, of gritty, grim, yeah. Um, tough, yeah. you, know, it, you know, and you know that you're in for this kind of yeah, I agree. grim yeah. ride. And and um, I mean, and not to take away from it because it is a it is a ride. Mm. You know, there is fantastic action sequences, yeah. um, and um, yeah, it still holds that 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 um, superhero vibe, yeah. action hero. But they are desperate. They are not superhero things. Yeah. They are desperate fights. Yeah. And yeah. you and I was really thinking. I don't think I don't know if he's going to come out of this. Because yeah. I've mm. never had that kind of. I've I've never yeah. felt so excited in a fight scene before. Yeah. Because mm. fight scenes in a superhero movie either they're very overdone, 
yeah. they're a bit silly, or yeah. they're too violent. It's yeah. not entertaining. Mm. Yeah. This one felt painful. Yeah. Every yeah. fight that he gets in, I was worried. The stakes, the stakes were right up front and center. Yeah. Yeah. And as soon as you've got that so well placed, what you've got is high stakes for the audience, except for yeah. those who answer their phone in the middle of the. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I had some terrible people in my audience. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, At least dear. three people answered phones. It was what? shocking. It's tragic. <laughs> Melbourne Central, Saturday night audience, sort yourself out. Um, I've, I've got to say as well, so we talk about stakes. So my, um, I had skipped, I skipped seeing um, X-Men Apocalypse because I'd heard... Oh, not it's garbage. Right. Yeah, I, I'd heard that. But this, we talk about stakes. X-Men Apocalypse, and this is also a problem that's facing the, the Avengers franchise, and I don't know how they're going to deal with it. Um, the stakes are too unrealistic. The world is at stake. You know, Apocalypse is going to destroy the world. It's always at stake. And, and you, you know, know he won't. You know he won't. Because he's purple. So he's sitting there, yeah, he's purple. Who's threatening in the world that's purple? Like, the Phantom is purple, and he's adorable. But, yeah. like, he's the Phantom. <laughs> it's like X-Men Apocalypse. looks like a... Oh, yeah. it's just the worst. And, and it just... So we watched that after the fact. And I tell you what, comparing Logan to that... And this is where it's really important to have, you know, and I mean, we could talk about the, you know, coming back to Batman, The Dark Knight, you can, you talk about great stakes there, you know, the city of Gotham's soul is at stake and uh, a couple of um, boatloads of people. So you've got a stakes that you can believe. Yeah. If they didn't survive, you'd believe it. And the same with Logan. Those yeah. stakes are such that you're like, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the investment of, I mean, it's the, the stake of the soul. Yeah, Which, that's right. Um, the emotional investment. Yeah, I mean, they, we've now been so overblown with of world destroying stakes that it becomes we become almost desensitized to it. Yeah. So we, I think that the the smart storyteller, which the Logan storyteller was very smart, yeah. is to go inwards to a beloved character. Yes. Um, and then then you've got real engagement. There's there's mm -hmm. a couple nods and maybe it's a little too overt, but you can obviously see the references to classic westerns. Shane being the example. Well, mm -hmm. <laughs> I saw that. I thought, whoa. Oh, that, that's that's really thumping me over the head yeah, with that. Really but having said that, a lot of people don't mm. know what Shane is. That's yeah. true. You know, see, I was brought up on Western. So, so was I'm I. Like, oh, that's yeah. Kind of okay. Obvious. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of like on the nose, man. Yeah, like, I can see where the story is going. And <laughs> the mm. thing is, let's talk about that moment. But in terms of its inspiration, James Mangold, uh, he's a pretty good director. I think yeah. he gets hamstrung at times, but he's a very good director. Yeah. He did Three Ten to Yuma, one of the best modern westerns we have currently. Yeah, yeah. So when he put his mind to this, I was like, James, I bet you you can do a good job. You did yeah. the Wolverine. It was a pretty bad movie. But you can you yeah. can make this work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is with Logan, it was more of a western. It was yeah. more of a road movie. Look, as I said, as I said, the palette again is a western yeah. palette. Yeah. You've, yeah, you've got this kind of road movie, this movement yep. forward uh, on the run. Um, you know, obviously Logan is the Shane character. Yeah. Um, you know, and um, you know, it's I I I I felt that repeating the Shane um, mm. stuff at the end was a little bit. Yep. too much okay yep. um, I felt yeah I mean because I know what Shane is it felt over for me right. but mm -hmm. then I'm, I'm, I'm trying to step back and say well if I didn't know what Shane yeah. was then perhaps yeah exactly. coming back yep. to it would be would be good mm. I, I was actually I was sitting there waiting for the line that I was waiting for which didn't come which mm. is probably a good thing I don't know but I was waiting for our our female protagonist yeah. um, to just say just simply say it's beside water yeah. Mm, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, and it didn't come, and I thought, oh, that would have been for me. But then I'm. Yeah. It would have been a bit much, though, don't you think? It would have no, been a bit no, too no, on the not nose. With, not without the Shane, with that. 
Mm. Ah, I see. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> yep, I like that. Sold me. <laughs> it's, it's interesting as well. You, you think about the, um, the the kind of characters that they portray in the movie. You didn't actually need as well. The, the, the temptation for Hollywood so often is to try and cover over weak storytelling with, um, with big action sequences. And to actually, I think maybe that's also some of the reason why um, the audience that I was in may have been a bit disengaged if they'd gone along for a purely action movie. Yeah, they didn't get it. And they weren't getting that. No, and the violence yeah. wasn't enjoyable. No, no the, and the violence is yeah, just... Yeah, seriously, it, was, it hurt. It hurt, yeah. 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 I, was, I found myself doing my... Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I believe... Luke was on our last podcast. No, it was no, me. It was That's me. Right. I was there. Got it. The galaxy. Squeamish. We watched. I had to. But it's interesting. My uh, our other co-host, Luke, he's quite squeamish when it comes to to quite violent films. And I was like, oh, you know, you'd probably enjoy Logan. I was expecting it to be quite, you know, tame. And I went and saw the movie, and <laughs> I I was wincing. You know, I was like, yeah. ooh, that. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. And it yeah. wasn't a glorified violence that you expect in Hollywood today. No. It was this kind of violence, like. You feel bad for the people he's killing, like yeah, brutally yeah, yeah, murdering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's slightly glorified, I think, with the young female character. Yes, exactly. Um, yes. So yeah. there, there was There's a bit some, of a power trip. But there. I, yeah, but mm. I got to say, I did enjoy that. Yeah, <laughs> um, she was mighty fine. Yeah. Um, She's kind of scary. Like I was, yeah. I was intimidated. Yeah. She, she, she was. Gen- that was generally like not quite horror movie scary, but she was getting the screams. There. Yeah, she I was getting yeah, there. Okay, yeah. So I, I was in. You know the whole IMAX thing. You know loudspeakers, oh, etc. Really? Yeah. Every time she screamed, I like my bones started rattling. Yeah, I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. please don't do that. <laughs> yeah. It really. But what's hilarious when. Um, Logan is begging her to say something, you know, and then yeah. she does something. He says, "Shut up, shut yeah. up." Yeah. <laughs> has a tirade in Spanish. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. great. And and I and yeah, I mean, it's got. A, I mean, this film has also got some great feminist overtones as well. Yes. Um, yep. So yeah, uh, so that was interesting. I, I thought that that moment was very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think the another reason I like is that uh, I think in modern movies, when you try and clobber people over the head with messaging, it becomes unbearable. But in this film, I thought like it was sensitive mm. and it was well done. And yeah. Well, and I know this is turning out to be we love Logan podcast.com. Right. <laughs> it's fine. But let's face it. Allison's only here to talk about the, the movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's hard. To, but this I'm is a the Marvel thing, right? girl. We, you come back to, to storytelling and I've been thinking about it a lot because the movies that you really that stay with you are those ones with the strong stories and you're a beautiful, beautifully shot is one thing but a story is the thing that runs through and that draws you in and that keeps you on the edge of your seat. That story which says, tell me what happens. And, and one thing I do love about this is that it takes the protagonist who's always been so invincible and humanizes him in a way that, um, that you, can, you can relate to. We can all relate to getting older. Yeah. Um, if, and it's intended for a more mature audience. So everyone who's watching that is experiencing that process in some way. So it's, it's interesting to think about that. You know, you feel his pain, you feel that. And in the end, uh, in, in some ways, Logan, uh, you may disagree with me on this, Alison, but I feel like Logan, he never really saves the day fully. You know, like he, he helps a bit, but mm. it's, not, it's not just his story. It's also the story of who's coming through. Yeah, yeah, you know? so yeah, yeah. Final comments on Logan uh, in... I guess that would be a good wrap-up. That's good for me. Yeah, yeah. Allison? Final comment. You know, I think that you're right. I think that what's left from a fine story is emotional impact. That's what you go away yep. with. And, and I was left with a mighty wallop, you know. Um, yeah. And it was a fitting departure um, for that character and that actor in that role. Oh, um, it's incredibly and, respectful. Yeah, too. it was. And um, I think respect is the right word for it. I think, mm, you know, we, yeah. it, it was respectful to the audience as well. It was, yeah. you know, and... 
I came away thinking, yeah, you know, I'm I'm really sad that that character's gone, but that I'm was that, that way. was yeah. his way out. Yeah, well completely done. agree. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's move on to the topic for today, mm -hmm. and we can segue quite nicely. We talk about moving on. We talk about moving on and passing. The torch, the baton, so it is. The Commonwealth Games are coming up soon, so we're going to talk about the Commonwealth <laughs> we're Games We're on the Gold now. Coast. Yeah, so yeah, yeah let's yeah. talk about the Commonwealth. No. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about the idea of moving on. Mm. Um, mm. As a writer, uh, we sometimes we embark on a series of books, usually a trilogy. That's the most accepted format, I suppose. Um, I've been told to push my mic in a little bit, but here we go. That's what you get for handouts, Ian. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but so so let's talk about that, Alison. Mm. You've uh, written a fantasy series. Yep. Um, we talked a little bit about that on our last podcast, and you mentioned something in there that was quite interesting in the idea of just uprooting and then moving on to regency. Yeah. Uh, a regency setting, you know, fa fantasy overtones. Yeah. Mm. Um, now you're moving on. Uh, am, this is yeah. the end of the series. Now we haven't announced that you're doing anything in a different genre or anything like that. No, no, nothing's been announced because I'm still, I'm still um, kind of hovering and poised, poised on my tippy toes. Uh. So <laughs> let, let, let's talk about let's talk about that hovering process. Yeah. Um, for a lot of writers, especially young writers, that's you know sometimes can either get an early break in a series that they're very popular, and then they they either tail off the story naturally as is fitting to the story, or they milk it for all it's worth and the mm. series goes uh, to the dogs. Yeah. But let's take the positive angle on this. Let's say that they do a series and it and it goes quite well. Let's mm. say your series. Yep. Uh, and the mower goes past. There we go. <laughs> um, so let's say that... Um, where, where, where do you go now? Is there a bit of a fear? Is there... Uh, as a writer, do you have a little bit of that you know, inner anxiety when you think... A what little bit of inner anxiety. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha, she says. <laughs> um, well, I think the inner anxiety um, is a constant companion. Um, yeah. You know, uh, it's to be complacent would be, I think, to be a insufferable, but mm. be also um, probably quite dead <laughs> in your heart. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and um, yeah, you know, the, coming up to the, I'm, I'm in the process of writing the last book, so I'm very sure. much in that yeah. in that point. But again, having to think strategically for the next move in mm, the career. Yeah. Um, so I've got a, some options open to me. And part of my choices in my career have been to go and shift into other genres. Yeah. Uh, a way of just, yeah, which has been, a, I think I might have mentioned, has been a pain for the yeah. publicist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but has been very <laughs> satisfying for me. Yeah, the yeah, rebranding, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, but it's been very satisfying for me as a, as a mm. writer. Um, so yeah, it's... I think you know, it's such a strange, it's such a strange market at the moment. It's a very conservative yeah. market, mm. um, yeah. and um, so I've, I think that you know, part of me is is wanting to go on into more regency stuff because I've got so much research yep. behind yeah. me, mm. um, and perhaps into sort of some hybrid publishing. And part of me is even considering, and I have got a story for it, going back to my Eon world. Right. There you go. Yeah, mm. yeah. So these are the, uh, and then of course the wild part of me goes something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Logan the ghost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get a contract from Marvel. Yeah, You'll yeah, be fine. yeah, yeah. You'd love it. Um, so, so if I can ask, uh, Alison, just 
picking up on that as well. So I, I finished, um, I recently put out a new novella. It was from a series that I'd done of detective stories. And I've got to say, I actually found, and this tying into your Eon considerations, I found it quite difficult because I'd, I'd gone away, I'd written this, these novels, and I came back to this character that I'd originally written. And I, I, it was a strange feeling because I kind of, even though it's like a pair of old shoes you're really comfortable in, something had changed in me. And I felt mm. like I'd kind of finished off what I wanted to do in that part of this world. Yep. But at the same time, bringing a freshness to that was a challenge, and I found a way to do it, but it was initially quite challenging. Do you, do you think there are challenges with going back somewhere to keep it fresh? I, I absolutely do. I think mm. that um, the Eon and Eona duology are complete. You know, they are a complete duology. So coming back to the Eona character would be a later character. And, you know, yeah. I've written... I mean, I'm an older person, you know. She's an older person. Uh, yep. So that would be coming into, Interesting. into, yeah. the, um, into the character. Mm. It wouldn't be a, a direct roll-on. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It would have to be different. Um, and, you know, it's, it's about finding that core, that core dilemma for the character. You know, right. What is she facing now? She's, she's yeah. had that journey of power in the first two books. Mm. Now she is, you know, spoiler, spoiler, <laughs> 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 yeah, without power. Yeah. Um, and uh, or without without certain kind of power. Mm. So what happens then? Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. So, and, and keeping in mind, of course, the conventions of the genre. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, I suddenly can't go off into a gritty realist drama with <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess that's the thing, isn't it? As well, to 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 stay true to the character and to really find a way to represent that, which um yeah, which keeps it fresh. So that's interesting yeah, that you're yeah. thinking about that. But you know, I think that when we get a movie going back to Logan, when we get <laughs> when we get a movie like Logan, mm. it opens up it opens up avenues in other mm. art forms. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. you know, it's kinda like, well, here is a, a, a big movie mm. and here is a character who is older and damaged. Yes. Um, so that makes that the bravery to take on yeah. characters that yeah. otherwise yeah. wouldn't have been. Yeah. You know, yeah. And you know, sort of published. Yeah. You know, mm. we are sort of given a a, a pathway, mm. perhaps uh, not that we couldn't tread it ourselves. We saw, but but mm. you know, in terms of of the market. Mm. It's interesting. So I was thinking about series that you kind of have come back, and if I could think of one other movie series, Toy Story three came back and a long time later returned to a series but somehow they managed to keep it fresh now I don't know what exactly that was but one thing they did which really worked well was that they grew with their audience so the audience that uh, had, had watched Toy Story 1 and 2 so I was kind of a young person at the time I was now old enough to have outgrown my toys so the way that Toy Story 3 ended they did come back they did they did refresh yeah. the genre but at the same time the way that they ended struck an emotional chord unlike any other animated movie I think I've seen because I related to the process of growing old and yep. leaving the past behind. Yeah. So yep. in that sense, that, that freshness is difficult, but maybe yeah. it's something to do with relating to the audience? I, I think also it's interesting you mentioned that because the idea of growing up with material uh, is very interesting. Yeah. You mentioned that you're an older person, and so that character would, would mature mm. as well yeah, yeah. in a different way, obviously, but mm. life experiences, we always try and imbue as much of ourselves into our work. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because do you think that contrasting what you want to do with the character with what your audience wants mm. for the character. You know, mm. do you think there is a contrast there or do you think yeah. it's quite um, similar? You know, I think, um, I think that uh, I write with a, 
an eye to my audience. You know, yeah. you know, my my audience doesn't. I don't think would want would not want to see a forty year old Iona. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, so, um, you know, there there are those considerations. I mean, I just going to sidestep into Doctor Who for a moment. Sure. Yeah. Um, because you know, I think that growing with your audience is yep. is where Doctor Who excelled. Right. Up to the Matt Smith character, mm. um, and then I think it fell slightly because right. I think that what we got was, um, you know, the Eccleston Tennant um, growth, mm. you know, um, and that was. I mean, when I was watching it, I was really excited by that because here was a yeah. a, um, a series that understood that we'd grown up with yeah. who, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, but then I felt that there was a backward step with with the Matt. With mm. Matt I mean, not a good character, you know, well well acted, but. It went babyish to me, for childish, too childish yeah. for me. Um, and and then we kind of scrambled back with Capaldi, you know. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I felt that there was a misstep there, that there was a, oh no, you know, your main audience is probably yeah. uh, mm. a bit older than that guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's interesting. And if I think about it, I know we're on TV a lot, so still avoiding literature for a minute. Um, thinking about a series that hasn't really changed over the years, and that's Sherlock. Which, um, for me, I felt just hasn't quite worked in terms of bringing something fresh into it. So I haven't actually watched all of the most recent series, whereas with the previous series, I kind of devoured them. Yeah. Series one started out, it was the first... So strong. So strong. Just the, every episode, yeah. Moriarty, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But then it came to series three, and I began to off. kind of wonder what was going on. It went a bit too crazy for its own good. Yeah, so I wonder what was the misstep there. Like, why... I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I've I've seen the final season mm. uh, yep. last season, um, which was a um, mental mind exercise. Exercise, shall we say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and very enjoyable for mm. for such. Um, but it, it felt like um, instead of instead of the superhero explosions happening, it was mm. mental yes. explosions. Yes. Right. It's um, a different kind of theatrics. Yeah, th yeah, a different kind of theatrics. And I was looking for forward movement. Yes. Um, yeah. And I, could, I, th I, can, I think I sensed some, um, mm. but it wasn't very kind of clear because the Sherlock character is quite a stagnant character. Yeah, he doesn't mm. change. Yeah. And, and so, so he is tragic in that regard. That is his tragedy. Um, and, um, mm. But we do see some movement... I mean, sidestepping from Sherlock to Elementary, yeah. uh, which is the other Sherlock mm. um, version. Yeah, we, I, you know, I've, I've been quite slightly shocked um, by the growth that Sherlock has mm. <laughs> yeah, shown. Right, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's got like, but again, enjoyable because uh, you know he's moving further and further away from the Sherlock Holmes that we know. Yeah. Um, and but by doing that, mm. I think the series is more successful. Yeah. Becoming Ooh. its own story. It's interesting because, yeah, I agree with both of you when it comes to the Sherlock show. Um, man, this is the agreeing podcast, apparently. <laughs> I know, right? Um, we need Luke here to disagree yeah, with everything. Um, but <laughs> um, the interesting thing with Sherlock is the idea that you're right. The character doesn't grow. So if the character doesn't grow, then why do we keep pushing the show forward? Yeah. I mean, this comes down to a money issue. But... Uh, I, nobody says no to more Benedict Cumberbatch. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I saw him in Hamlet in, in London. <gasps> yeah, holy like, moly! You can never get too much. Holy so moly! <laughs> I, I was in the stalls. I, I got this. Um, I stood in the line um, uh, mm. for return tickets. Oh yeah. I got a ten-pound stall ticket. Wow, that's I know. Great. And so uh, he was like, "Just where you are, it was kind of yep. like." <laughs> Only about a, a meter and a half away. Yeah. Such a physical actor. Yeah, yeah he yeah, really is. Yeah. He really gets into his roles. 
And the idea with Sherlock is, you're right, the first season was so good. Mm. And I think they were just looking forward to how they could push it, yeah. but not with the yeah. narrative. Do you know what? Do you know what? Mm. I think this is a, I think the misstep here, dun, 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 yeah. um, because I know everything. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> Surprise spoilers. Yeah. Spoiler warning. Um, essentially, the mm. Sherlock story is the John Watson story. John Watson is the growing character. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what we've lost sight yeah. is because Benedict Cumberbatch is such a presence, and I'm not saying that Martin mm. Freeman is he not a presence over. either, because he is. He really yeah. does take but over. But Benedict Cumberbatch is such a presence um, right. that it's slightly steered towards yeah. the non-growth character. Yes. Therefore, yeah. the, story the story has to become yeah. about mind games. which and, is and, and I know they tried a little bit, I think, in season three with the whole John Watson yeah, and then yeah, his yeah, wife yeah. and all yep. this sort of stuff. I found that... It was a bit ridiculous. It didn't work for me. I don't know. I went a bit too far. Trying I to include Watson in a very awkward way. Well, that it's makes true. Sense. I hadn't actually thought of that. As always, Alison, you, you're helping me here a yeah. lot. You know, you're right. It is. It's. It's John's observation. I mean, that's how the stories are written. It's John's observations yep. of this character, who's like the. He's like the tent pole around. We're sitting in a tent. It works mm-hmm. uh, around <laughs> which everything else kind of. I works. mean, there's multiple tent poles here, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, maybe okay. a maypole. The maypole. <laughs> maypole. Oh my the goodness. North Pole. The, no. It doesn't change. Um, <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> so, but if you think about that as well, um, in some ways, and if we can get deep just for a second, really the, the things that we have agreed on about these stories is forward motion. Yep. And we do, as one of my favorite bands always said, we all struggle with forward motion in life as well as in writing. And if you stop moving forward, you do stagnate. Um, and it's never good when there isn't that motion. And so the, the characters... Mm-hmm. And the stories which really capture us over time, they have growth. If you think about the children's stories that got you, whether it was Narnia or Harry Potter, those characters grew. Yep. And and when you come back to a story, you've got to show that, because it's unrealistic that people don't change at all. Mm. And with Sherlock, at least in that case, it is a tragedy. He needs yeah. to change. Yeah, That's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, final comments about writing a series, working in a series, observing series is... And critiquing them. Yeah. What do you think, Alison? Well, you know, I, I'm writing this third book, which is the first time I've written a third book in a, a series. So mm-hmm. the learning curve is straight up, going into the stratosphere. Yeah. Um, to the North Pole, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. And it's, um, it's kind of a, uh, again, it's about freshness. It's about yeah. what, you know, I've got a meta story over the three stories. Yep. But I've also got each arc within each book. Mm-hmm. And it's about keeping that growth. Yeah. What is that character's final piece of the growth puzzle for that series? Yep. And um, you know, and also paying off everything. I, one of a friend of mine, I said, you know, how do you go ahead, you know, with a third book in a series? You said, just pay everything off. Yeah, <laughs> pay everything off. Pay everything off. Tie everything off. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, in, in the idea is there? Do you think that a series is only as good as its conclusion? Mm. Ooh, um, you know. Or do you think that's just too generic a statement to make? No, I think scarily. I think that if you don't end well, mm. it will. It, it will, will be remembered a, for that. Yeah. It will leave a, a, a bad taste. Indelible yeah. mark. Um, yep. You know, I mean, there's mm. um, it again. It's the uh, engagement with the characters. If you do, if the character, I mean, you an, an author is probably not going to pay off all the characters how sure, the yeah. readers mm. want because yeah. if you do that, Everybody you become predictable. Yeah. And then you become predictable. That's another kind of yep. disappointment. Yep. Um, so, you know, there will be tricks and, and gambits that we all play to, to pay yeah. off and be delightful. Mm. But, you know, um, there will be screams and howls of pain uh, mm. from, from readers, yeah. which is good, mm. um, but also bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. In mm. final comments? Yeah, I, th- I think so. And I think coming in, you know, when I was writing a series, I didn't know how certain things were going to turn out until the end. And those were those were tough decisions in some ways. But also, I think if you've if you've got your story set, if you've done you've you've done it right, you'll come to a point where you're comfortable with with your with your world and with your character and with the resolution that yeah. you get. But the yeah. key thing is that that forward motion. Well, in in the end, um, you if you've built your character correctly, there's only a there's only certain decisions they can make because of that characterization. Yeah. They have a yeah. core set of beliefs that is going to propel them into the action. And yep. it's their decisions that are going to direct that, that, um, that great big climax. Yeah. You know, it's their, and, and that is where coherence comes from, mm-hmm. from the beginning of the series right through to the end. When yep. you get that character making that decision at the very end that everyone says, yeah, they shouldn't have made that decision, but that's the only decision yep. they could have made. It's the only one yep. that works in the situation with the character. Yep. There it is. I think my final comments would be that, yeah, I agree with the uh, sentiment that forward motion is important. And also, finding out what your series is about. Like, finding out what the theme of your series mm. is. Yep. We talked a little bit about Sherlock, though, and I think that is the epitome of a lot of this uh, series, long-running in TV shows and uh, movies and even in, in books, is the idea that they forget what made the original so good. Mm. Yep. They forget yep. that it's not always about the externals. It's not always about the external conflicts. And it's not always about the internal conflicts yeah, either. Yeah. Mm. And I think that balance and striking it and being able to recognize what made it mm. good is what will make a series good. Mm. So we're wrapping up, ladies and gentlemen, a little bit shorter than usual, but the day is still young, the sun is still shining, and we need to let Alison go. Uh, thank you very much for coming on, Alison. Thank you very much. Pleasure as always. A delightful yeah, presence as always. Ian as well, thank you for being here. I mean, you thank have no here. choice. That's right. <laughs> yeah. You're in. There is no choice. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Alison, where can people find you? Uh, your social media links, books yep. coming up, yeah, uh, yeah, potential well, dates. Let's see. Yeah, well, Twitter is uh, at Alison Goodman. Mm-hmm. Instagram, Alison Goodman author. Yeah. And my website is www.darkdaysclub.com. Beautiful. And the next book that's coming up, the title is still being decided, Ooh. but it will st- be Lady Helen and the... <laughs> uh. And the Dark Days something. Yep. There we go. Be. Yeah. And uh, the second one, the Dark Days Pact, is now out. Great. Fantastic. In all good bookstores. In all good bookstores. And some good online ones, too. Yeah. yeah. There and you go. Possibly some bad ones as well. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? But buy it anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, Alison. Lovely to have you on. And we'll talk to you soon. Ciao. And there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. Up next is Rachel Kroll. Rachel writes young adult fiction. Spark is her debut novel. This is first in a sci-fi trilogy published by Walker Books Australia. S.H.I.E.L.D., released September 16th, is the thrilling conclusion to the Spark series. We were very grateful to have Rachel on the podcast, as her insight on the topic at hand was spot on. As always, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to contact me on the email mailbox at thepenofjoel.com. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. We're coming to you from the Somerset Celebration of Literature in the Gold Coast. Ian, you're joining me again. How are you going? Yeah, really well, really well. Just enjoying hanging out here. The sun is hot. Uh, It's it's lunchtime here, so there's a lot of people milling around. It's really great. Yes, I've lost my glasses, so I'm using my sunnies in the shade. That's right. There you go. You look very cool, though. Blind as a bat, though. (laughs) It's all good. Uh, We have a guest. And what a guest indeed. Rachel Kroll, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Fantastic to have you. So, Rachel, tell us a bit about your week. 
How have you been? How has the festival been treating you? Uh, it's been very exciting. This is exciting. the bit where you complain. <laughs> no, no, there is not. There are no complaints. Fantastic. Though I dissolve in the heat. Yes. Uh, there are agreed. no. There are no complaints. Uh-huh. No, I'm. I'm super psyched for being here. Uh, I think I've been counting down, you know, counting down the days to, to coming and mm. uh, and also the building sort of anticipation amongst the authors that I know who were coming here and, yep. co- you know, being online and talking about it's only a few more days and getting really excited about mm. it. So, yeah, it's fantastic. And now that I'm in it, I'm like, it's going too fast. I need everything I to know. slow down <laughs> and tomorrow's my last day. And ah, yeah, so... I would like things to slow down or have another day or something. (laughs) It's great. Fantastic. It's actually a true story as well. Uh, Rachel and I met on Twitter before we actually uh, met here, which is great. So we've we've enjoyed hanging out. We're so modern. We're so modern. We're so modern. It's a modern (laughs) friendship. Now, we were talking in, we Mm. were talking about Twitter being invented for a writer. Basically, the perfect tool for a writer. Totally is. And I think probably for me, Twitter is my greatest sense of community. Mm. And um, yeah. being a a, a a YA writer living in New Zealand, uh, th- there is not a, a big community to draw on. Yeah. And I live in a small town in Nelson. Um, there, I'm the only one of my kind oh. currently <laughs> there. Um, but and so Twitter is the place where I go to find my people. And mm. um, so it's a tremendous sense of community. It's been a huge asset to me. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Mm. Ian, what about you? You tweet too much. I do. Well, I have waves. <laughs> too much? Wa- what is too much? <laughs> what, is too, what is too much tweeting? Well, we have yet to find an answer, and I'm going to find out. See, too much is when I have about 60 people on my Twitter feed, and the only one I see tweeting is me. Ian. I know. I, I, and I originally uh, chatted to Rachel because her Twitter game was so strong, so we had a great time. I can't actually <laughs> remember the first time we well, met. Well, do you know, people... Yeah, when I first was published and and my marketing team were with me and saying okay you know you should really try and have an online presence and Mm. back then I I just had a a personal Facebook account I wasn't on Twitter I didn't have Instagram I wasn't on Goodreads or anything like that and I was kind of like I have this feeling that if I start Mm. that that will be the end of me (laughs) (laughs) I just know what I'm like you know I'm like I'll I'll go down this road and it will just consume me and I was totally right and (laughs) (laughs) it was exactly as I thought it would be good self-awareness but in saying that I it Mm. is no effort for me whatsoever yeah like there's zero effort for me whatsoever it's just totally natural yeah I'd like yeah. just posting stupid stuff. And yeah. <laughs> stream of consciousness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know? The temptation to tweet as well. Yeah. You know, it was really interesting. I'm definitely not a social media person. And I got onto Twitter very late for similar reasons as you. Yeah. have a, a media presence. And the interesting thing is I thought it was going to end up the same way as my blog, you know. Twi- uh, write a blog very consistently for a week or so, and then, you know, it peters off <laughs> gradually. You, you see, the thing is with blogs, see, I just knew that I never, ever had the stamina to write a blog. Yeah, right. And because they were, my marketing team were like, yeah. you should really have a blog. And I'm like, mm. dude, there is no, just no, no way that I can write a blog. <laughs> see, yeah. I can barely stand to hear my own voice. You know, like, uh, who is going to want to come? And just, yeah. it's just like me blabbing on about whatever. And I just figure... Twitter totally suits me. 140 characters, bam, I'm done. Yeah. You know? Yep. And Mic it's, drop. Yeah, exactly. it's good. It's now, good. yeah, the blog didn't last, even though I lied to myself. <laughs> and 
funny enough, I only tweet once a week or something like that, and it's only about the podcast, so there you go. I and you just go on out. to see what Ian's been going yeah, on about. Much. All I do is <laughs> like, what's Ian tweeting? I, I treat Twitter as a game because you can you can get at free Twitter analytics. I just oh. I'm interested in tracking how everything goes. Oh, you see, that doesn't even occur to me. I have oh. lit, I have absolutely no idea whether any of that is beneficial or useful or what, I, or what I'm doing is going to get We're going to talk after the podcast. <laughs> no, yeah. I, no, if I, you thought you were obsessed already. You oh. will rob me of my innocence. Don't, <laughs> I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Let me live in my blissful ignorance. There you go. Well, <laughs> let's talk a little bit more about interacting with the wider world and this time in the department of other media. Mm. So what have you been watching recently, Rachel? Well... Um, <laughs> I just finished Vikings, oh. which is uh, one of my favorite shows cool. on Netflix. Big fan of Ragnar. Yep. Um, super psyched for that. I really loved where they took the story, and I'm really curious to see if they, do, I don't even know if they've got another season coming. Mm. Uh, it's yeah, so, so good. Yeah. I, I just love everything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that I watched earlier last year that I'm waiting for the next season of is Peaky Blinders. Oh, right, yep. Don't yeah. know if you guys yes. know or yep. see. Yeah, a bit of it. Kevin Murphy. Oh, mm. my word. Yeah, great. I'm just so all about that. Yeah. Just just for Sam Neill's Irish accent oh. alone. I'm sorry, how did I miss <laughs> Sam Neill being in this? Yeah, he's oh, the he's uh, like police. The he's the cop. He's amazing. He's amazing. Right, so I'm watching Irish that when I get yeah. Yeah. His, his accent, uh, I just love that. Wow. Um, what else have I been watching on there? Um, I, ha- I really loved Marco Polo. Mm-hmm. Um, and a bit of comedy. I just recently watched the Santa Clarita Diet. It's good. I'm seeing a Netflix uh, yeah, vibe circle forming here oh, with yeah. the shows. I'm totally an, a, a Netflix what a addict. Good format. Yeah. yeah. Well, great. for me, I generally I, I don't watch any normal sure. TV other than the news. Yeah. 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 Um, and then I'm often working in the evening, and so mm. my brain just sort of winds down around about ten o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just go to bed and binge as much Netflix as I can before my eyes wouldn't need to shut. Yep. So, wow. you know. Fantastic. All right. Well, we've got a topic for you, ladies and gentlemen. This is part two of looking at how do we deal with writing a series? How do we deal with coming to the end of a series and moving forward? The mm. first part was with Alison Goodman. And the second mm. is with Rachel Craw. So, Rachel, talk to us a bit about writing a series. What is that like? Um, you're coming towards the end of one. I finished mm. it. Yeah. It's finished, yeah. Oops, <laughs> sorry, as, my mic. As, uh, Ian peaks the mic. It's That's fine. That's all right. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, was very, yeah. I was very excited about that. <laughs> it is very excited. It is exciting um, news. Yeah, well, I, I always set out to write a series, and as a reader and as a child, as a reader, I, had a, I loved reading series, mm. primarily because I loved that thrill of returning to characters that you know so sure. well, and it mm. was always that feeling of... Yeah. I guess revisiting old friends, yeah. and mm-hmm. um, uh, when I was a kid, I really loved the Trixie Belden series, oh. which nobody will know of because I'm so ancient. My, my brother, <laughs> my brother was a huge Trixie Belden oh, fan. That, that comforts me. I That's was really, I just loved it, and it was, you know, a go, uh, she was a rural sleuth mm, um, detective, yeah, yeah. and she had her gang, and I actually have quite a few Trixie Belden references <laughs> in, my, in my series, which go. you would only guess at if you, if you knew the books. But um, So it was, yeah, really in me to do that. Mm, I knew that I yeah. wanted to do that. And mm-hmm. um, so when I set out uh, to begin the story, it was fairly simple because... In the world of Spark, in the world of the trilogy, there are 
there are three types of people who are affected by this gene uh, experiment. Mm -hmm. And they are sparks, and they are strays, and they are shields. Mm. And so it seemed logical to me to focus a, a story around each of those yeah, right. central roles in the cool. story and yeah. sort of explore that angle. So you had a natural through, through yeah. line right and, from the and then there was the greater arc of the story that covered all of it, uh, which was really about Evie's personal journey, the, the pr yeah. protagonist, and um, mm. coming to the inevitable, essentially. Right. Yeah. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Um, the curious thing about writing a series is that it needs to come to an end eventually. Yes. And yes. it has. So what comes next? And not in terms of releases, but where's your state of mind in that? Like, you it, know, are you thinking, well, I'm a bit worried? Are you excited? No, I, I, because publishing is so slow sure. and yeah. the process is so yeah. incredibly slow, mm -hmm. you, there is no, there's no kind of shock to the system. Like, you know the end is coming yeah. so far away. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, you know the end is coming. You've got a long and so, time to prepare. And so, you know, before, you're, before a book is published, you know, you're finished with it perhaps, you know, nine, ten months yeah. before it's actually released to sure. the public. Mm. So you've stopped working on it. You've, there's no more edits. It's been yeah. handed over to the publisher. They're in the process of, of finishing up their, their cover designs. Uh, getting the typesetting done, blah, blah, blah. And it's totally out of your hands. And so even before it comes out on the shelf, you know, nine, ten months have gone past and you haven't had your hands on it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And so when I finished Shield, it was like that. There was just, I had finished. I knew that I had finished. And yeah. then there was this long period of time before it's released. And so emotionally, I'd already moved on. Sure. And yeah, so right. there was not, I, I never experienced really a sense of grief. And also, probably because, in, uh, yeah, I just sort of was really ready to be in a different world. Right. Like, excited to be yeah, in a right. different world, right. you know? Mm. Yeah. So there was a lot of time to prepare to let go. A lot of, and, you know, for this series, I've been working on it for eight years. Yeah, right. So eight years is a significant portion of your life to be in one sure. world. Yeah. yeah. And to be in one protagonist's head for yeah, eight years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um... And I love her. I love Evie, and I love I love that character. I love mm. the story. It's still you know my baby and all of that kind of thing. But I'm so ready. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so yeah. ready to write a different world. Yeah. A different protagonist. So. And even like a even a like I want to know can I? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. it's like yeah. do, do I have another voice? Yep. Is there another voice in me other than mm. this one that I've been living in for eight years? So yeah. turns out there is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Interesting. In the series, what do you think is the strength of writing a series versus writing a solid, like, single novel? That's it. Conclusion I, and uh, a story. Hmm, that's a good question. I think probably there are pros and cons. Sure. I think, you know, economically, mm. um, uh, when you write a series, book two and book three don't sell as much yeah. as book one. Yeah, right. And um, and so, but then the other way is that it extends mm. the life of your first book, sure. it keeps yep. it on the shelf longer. Yeah. Um, so you keeps know, there's those kinds of things to to mm. weigh up in it. Um, yep. You know, you'll have your dedicated readers, you know, who will follow it to its bitter end. Yep. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and then the there'll old. be many people who'll only read the first book and that'll be yep. it. But um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I think there's a lot to weigh up and it is definitely a huge commitment to yeah. write a series, but it's tremendously gratifying mm. and um, 
yeah, you get to uh, perhaps explore a deeper emotional arc over a longer period of time yeah. um, rather than, you know, being stuck to having to complete everything in one story. But yeah. And saying that, my next book is a, um, a standalone, so... Yeah, that's good. So you'll be able to give us a good perspective when you're back yeah. about, about how, <laughs> how they work. How was that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So tell us more about it. Have your opinions changed? <laughs> Um, that's really good. Now, I found um, as well, Rachel, that the, the journey um, with characters during a series is, is quite, um, it can be challenging. How do you find, in terms of that developing that character, like how do you find, what do you think is important to keep it fresh? And we were talking with Alison a bit about this, but keeping it fresh across a series, do you feel like that's a natural thing or do you really have to plan out how you're going to keep the character <laughs> grow for you? you hear anyway? me laughing? Plan yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> Plans. Plan out. Nice. Um, Another panther. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Okay. I do you know there Welcome is the club. there is a there's still a part of me a, a mm. deep inner insecurity that feels like I won't be a, a real author until I learn how to plot. Like you're not a real author, Rach, until you know how to plot. And I just can't. <laughs> I just, no, it's all right. I just can't <laughs> do it. And I I've tried many many times, and yeah. it just doesn't work. It's very it deadens the experience for me. It takes mm -hmm. the life out of it. makes me miserable. Mm. Um, and there's plenty of ways to be miserable as a writer. And, and I'm like, mm, yeah, I can <laughs> do without that. <laughs> I can do without that. Mm. I, I very much bash my way through the forest with a blindfold. Mm. Yep. And yep. fall into many pits. <laughs> and bruise my shins. Yep. <laughs> We're going to labour the metaphor, but it is very, <laughs> much, metaphor, it's very much like that. So I go blind and I'm feeling my way towards the outcome. And I've completely forgotten what the question was. No. What was the question? That was it. Oh, it was that about... Was keeping a character fresh across that. So you, yeah. so planning is it, for you as, as a writer, planning's not no, so much it. You got Do you know, I can't even find the story yep. unless I'm in the skin of right. the story. Like I cannot even... I've got no idea what's going to happen. Yep. I've got no idea who the character is until I get in their skin. I'm in a, right. I need to be in a scene yep. and exploring what's going to happen and, and finding out who he, she is and yeah, all of that kind of stuff. So Interesting. It's, it's a bizarrely... I, you kind of... I, it's, I, you feel compelled to apologise for it because <laughs> everybody wants to know... Everybody wants advice... Sure. Everybody wants to yep. know. Oh, what do you? What is you? What advice can you yeah. give What's to young writers? Da, 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 da. It's almost and like that's one of our following questions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's almost as if it is, and it's and it's and it's hard because in a mm. way you just have when you're told there's actually there's no secret, yeah. that, and I can't do it for you. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. You have to find your own way and find your own path, and yeah, I. Yeah, it's it's a, almost a mystical experience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Feels like a mystical kind of experience, sure. and mm -hmm. you're trying to, to to be surprised by what happens on yep. the page. Yeah, it's interesting because I think working in a series means you get a lot of time to work with the characters, and yes. sometimes that means that you also have a lot of times to work with plot lines and threads that you've put into the story. Other points, say, let's pick on the middle book for instance, and say, are there points where you're like. Oh, this is just not coming together. How do I That's tie this in? That's my favorite book. Stray's yep. my favorite there you book. Go. Yep. And and for precisely it's those reasons, or Stray's my favorite book because it cost me the most. Sure, Ooh. it was so hard, and yeah. it broke me. Like it really broke me. That book, I I wept mm -hmm. over my laptop many times <laughs> while I was writing Stray, mm. and that was there's a couple of reasons. I wrote the first draft of Spark and Stray in the same year. 
Right. And then I put Stray aside to work to keep working on Spark and getting that ready for publication. Mm. So that's like over a four to five year period where book two just sort of sat there gathering cobwebs. Yeah. And so when I finally had a contract and that was in the works and then suddenly I had to haul out book two and, mm. get, and I only had one year to get that ready for, yeah. for deadline. And I felt overwhelmingly bound to yeah. that draft because it was like a safety net, but it was also, it was like a prison as well. And, yeah. and I constantly struggled with this feeling of, I wish I had been brave enough just to dump it and start mm, fresh. Yeah. But I couldn't do it because I yeah. felt like that was so reckless and so mm. stupid and, and so I felt very bound to it. So in terms of process, mm. it was totally torturous. It was a torturous <laughs> process. Yeah. But I also loved it the most. Like it it probably did so much for me as a craftsperson, you know, yeah. and it yeah. Gave yeah, it was a really amazing and also in terms of the storyline it really broke me. It was the it's the most tragic of the of the three books, and mm. um, it, you know there's a tremendous uh, loss in the story that just tore me. Uh, like I was mm. just did not want it to happen. I fought against it. Mm -hmm. I'm like no no no. I've got to save this. This this can't sure. go this yeah. way. Mm -hmm. But in the end, the story wins. It's like mm. either I yield to what the story demands. It's not going to work. Or it becomes. Artificial. I, mm. I find an artificial reason for not following the authentic route. You know yep. what I mean? Like yeah. I have to force or manufacture something to justify a, mm. a Disney ending that I yep. couldn't. I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And in the end, I just had to give in. And it was the best thing. And it, um, uh, but oh man, a lot of tears in that book. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting you mentioned talking about you know staying true to the story is is really important in any. Scenario. I'm, I mean, I'm trying to sit, think as I sit here of um, of stories where I feel like they haven't been true to what should happen. Yes. I, generally, I think you remember the ones where they have been true to what should happen a lot. So you think of the memorable moments and things that you've read or whatever. I think about reading something like Game of Thrones or a book where I felt like they stayed true to it. And you, you can kind of get a sense that someone's allowed the story to tell itself. Yeah. Um, and even though I'm not coming up with anything, so if either of you have got anything, let me know. Offhand, it's hard to um, it's hard to think of something where they haven't. But you just know when someone yeah, they've done the right thing. It's hard to read sometimes, but you know yeah. when it's the right thing. Absolutely. And also, when you read something that isn't authentic, mm. it immediately dislocates you from the story. Oh, there yeah. is an immediate yeah. disengagement that you draw back from it because you. It, it has robbed you of your ability to suspend your disbelief. Yes, that's it? right. Yep. Like it cuts you off from it, and so yeah. you want to avoid that at all costs. <laughs> it, it's almost like when a coincidence, you know, getting uh, getting characters into things by coincidence can be fine, but some, but when you get a coincidence to get someone out of something, that can sometimes feel really trite. Like yeah. it can be like really like oh, and oh, I just happened to be passing by, and you're like, mm, is that really yeah. how it would go? And I think that's the kind of jarring. You're right, the suspension yeah, of disbelief. Yeah. But then in saying that, it's oh. interesting, in saying that there's also, I also kind of think that there's room for that if you're embracing a certain form. Yeah. Like, uh, particularly, yeah. I, know I mean, where you're going with this. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. If I think, I mean, I did my degree in classical studies and so yeah. much of that form yeah. allows for... Impossible, yep. impossible, impossible coincidence. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's and, true. You know, the Deus Ex Machina, conveniently yeah. coming <laughs> and saving the day, that's or right. or even 
thinking of Charles Dickens, like his mm. books are just rife with yeah. yep. conveniently mm. yeah. Johnny was appeared da, 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 and saved the day and all of that kind of thing. And, and there's a, I don't know, there's there's a grace mm. for yes. that form I think, that allows those yeah, liberties yeah. to take part, but there requires the authenticity in that. Like yeah. if you have not set out to write that, yeah, then yeah. It, you can't get away with it. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that you're completely right in this and the way that you can do it deliberately in the way that you plan to actually introduce an impossibility, yes, but do it with such right. grace and finesse yeah. Yeah. that it comes across naturally and in time with the world of the story. Right? Yeah. Uh, and a yeah. lot of the times when those jar us, it's because the rest of the story didn't present us with the ability yeah. for something like that to happen. And I think, whoa, uh, <laughs> my, I'm always, my natural bent mm. is always towards speculative fiction. Yeah, right. And so I'm, all, I'm so ready to suspend my disbelief. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you come to me and yep. say, I'm going to write a story and it's about a zombie who did it, I'm like, dude, I'm in. You know, <laughs> I'm going to write a story and it's about like an alien who did it. I'm like, shivers, I'm in. You yeah. know, that sounds awesome. <laughs> And so, like, Your I'm already, I'm already, I'm ready, yep. I'm ready. Mm. And so, if you can't, if you can't convince me, yeah, right. And I am an easy sell. <laughs> like, I am an easy sell for anything that's what if, you know. And so, I think, you know, I, yep. the ability to. Uh, to allow your reader to suspend their disbelief is so, so, so important. And if you're yep. lazy in it, then for shame. So, <laughs> so maybe, maybe that's it, actually. Because we know that we, when you talk about rules with, with writing, there's only so far you can push rules. And you can break rules. You can bend rules yeah. if you do it right. And maybe the key word here is lazy. It's when the yeah. storytelling is lazy, that's when you go, oh, like that's how you, oh, that's how you rescue them. Whereas yeah. sometimes the, the coincidence is so well thought out. That you could say, okay, yeah. and hey, there's something there. And I think it's most evident in a series as well. Mm. Because if you do this consistently, yeah. people become more and more frustrated with it yeah. towards the end. And I think it, 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 this is obviously a giant leap of logic that Go I'm making. <laughs> Go but on. I think it's a lot of the problems and strengths of the first book that make people either continue or yeah, not continue. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not like it's a world-breaking assumption. But the yep. idea is that... And, and this is something that's happened to me. I've, I've read a book and I thought, oh, this is really interesting. Let's see mm. what the second book does. And the second book is the same story, yeah, very just thinly veiled yeah. under another. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm good. just, the buy-in is gone yeah. completely. Yeah. Um, the buy-in was there because it was an original concept. Yeah. But when the originality is sapped without any sort of inversion or complication, mm. that's when the story becomes laborious, I think. Yeah. yeah. Have you read or interacted with any series or authors? Obviously, probably don't want to mention my name if you feel that bad about it, but... <laughs> um, can Do you, you know, like when you were talking about, uh, mm. about like my very first thought was the Hunger sure. Games. Hunger Games, right? Yeah, yes. and yep. I'm a big fan. Like I love the Hunger Games. I love yep. the books. I love the films. Sure. Mm. And just quietly, I feel like that's a, a, a really great example of where the films are better than the books. Like they mm. actually take it to a great level, but that's yep. a whole other conversation. Okay. Anyway, but <laughs> I very strongly felt mm. like characters had been shortchanged yeah. in the later parts of the series in order to justify an ending. Mm. I was never a Peter fan. I was always oh, a Gail ah, fan. Okay. And I felt like... I'll pretend I, I know what you're like talking Gale about. I felt like Gail was... And I, I mean, I could have bought Peter. Yeah. I could have bought it. Yeah. But it was... I felt like Gail was so cheaply done away with. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. conveniently done away with yeah. in order to allow this ending that she'd yeah. obviously committed to. Mm. And I mean, I, she could have got me there. I totally could have bought Peter, but mm. for the way that was handled. And so... And so while I really enjoyed it, I loved it, loved yep. it, loved it, 
there was right. still that that little part of me that was dissatisfied with like um, right. So I don't buy how that how that ended for him. Yeah, so it didn't yeah. make sense. While you enjoyed yeah. it, the form, you personally would have liked to have seen it a bit different. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that. And I, I was quite... Because I, I didn't read the Hunger Games books. I've seen uh, three of the movies. Will I see the fourth? Perhaps. Um, you know, so it wasn't quite there for me. But um, I was surprised in the second movie to see, oh, we're back in... We're back in the the the, the dome where it's all kind of happening. I was like, okay, that surprised me. So, yeah, it, it is interesting. And I think... The execution is the key, isn't it? It's yeah. the execution that, that's authentic that makes a massive difference. Mm. So let's also talk about um, a particular series that Luke uh, has mentioned a couple times. I believe it's Robert Jordan. Oh, Robert Jordan. Oh, yeah, right. I, I don't know it. The it's the Wheel of Time series. Wheel Thirteen, of time. Oh, yeah. 13 yes. books. And I, I returned to reading it. Oh, it was a, what, a couple of years ago. I read the first one. It is a very long series. And Luke often talks about the idea that it fatigued. Yeah, you know the stories became too similar, and I think that's it. And I keep bringing this up because I think is this the story? Is this where the kids have like animal? No, that's um. You think about animorphs, you mean? Yeah, no, yeah. No, this sorry. is this is like pure fantasy. It has yes. Trollocs. It's um. When you read it, you feel like it's. And this is no offense to Robert Jordan's memory. Uh, it feels kind of diminutive before you yes. realize it was before a lot of things that followed. Right. It, yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So sort of groundbreaking. It's yeah. it's very good. The first book I would recommend absolutely. Mm. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people. But. While Luke might have got through a lot more of it, I got into the second book and I was like, yeah, yeah I, I had to stop yeah. personally. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I can't do 13 of these. But you think about Harry Potter mm. and seven books. Yeah. I, I don't, I feel mm. like, for me as a reader, yeah, she sure. never lost me once. No. Like I, no. My, my hunger for that story just grew and grew and yeah. grew and I you know I was one of those kids you know yep. lining yeah. up I couldn't wait for books well you're talking Seven. about very individual mysteries yeah. with an overarching okay people can't see my hand gestures right now sorry <laughs> not a visual he, he's, wa- he's waving his hands I'm people. waving my hands there's an overarching narrative that's so compelling that yeah. draws you along yeah. but each mystery is so well done and, and J.K. Rowling and hence why it's no surprise that she's yep. gone and written mystery stories after that just does a series of fantastic mysteries, some of the best so plots good. I've ever read. Um, yeah, and, and it works because it draws you along and it's fed to you in such a way that you've got... And you see her, you know, she has posted up before her planning matrix for how she did things. Sorry, planning in this case. <laughs> I bow down <laughs> before the Queen. Yeah. Who am I? I know, it's quite, in, it's quite incredible. So yeah, you, you're right, she didn't lose me in that either. I wonder mm. if it's just that overarching narrative that's kind of yeah. lacking uh, a bit. But really it comes down to character, doesn't it? I mean, you're so in love Certainly with does, Harry yeah. and Ron and Hermione. You're so emotionally yeah. invested in their, in their triumph. And yeah. you, mm. you cannot not keep going. Yeah, <laughs> and you just want Voldemort to win. Well, <laughs> I'm kidding. So. Well, final comments on the Slytherin. idea of a series. Uh, <laughs> Rachel, I'll come to you at the end here, mm. uh, or at the start of this question, that is. And that is the idea that you have a little bit of distance now from writing, and you probably will over the couple of years have more and more thoughts about your series. But right now, what do you think is the biggest takeaway for you? What do you think you've learned the most in writing this? Do you know, I think uh, two things. <laughs> Who am I kidding? There'll be a thousand things. No, but I, I think, number one, I wish that I had known that it was possible. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. I mean, like, that's the thing, that's the thing that I tell people. What mm. I, I want kids to know when people say to me, "Oh, what advice or what what you know? We know what can you tell us?" I always say, 
you can actually this can happen. You can actually yeah. have a published book. Yep. It's not impossible. It mm. feels impossible, but it's not impossible. Um, and also, I think uh, personally, in terms of my like one of the things I always tell the kids in, in sessions about my writing experience is the re probably the main reason why it took me so long to like I've come to writing late in life essentially mm. like to long form writing. Yeah. And that's, that is very much to do with my doubt of myself and my doubt sure. of my personal character. Mm -hmm. I always felt like, oh, for number one, I am so impatient. Right. Like, defining, <laughs> defining feature of my character, God is laughing. Now let's give her the worst possible profession <laughs> for someone who is profoundly impatient. Yeah. Um, and, and also, I, f I really feared that I was someone who lacked... Mm -hmm. Fortitude, you yeah, know. Right. I thought, oh, I'm probably lazy. It'll be hard, and I'll just give up. Yeah, you know, I'll just be. And then I didn't want to be a person who started and then couldn't follow through. Mm. I totally underestimated my obsessive compulsive <laughs> right <laughs> yep. uh, tendencies, and even even at its worst times. And there are dark times, sure. You mm. know, even at its worst times, I never ever once wanted to stop. Yeah, right. Like yeah. there was just an obsession with wanting to keep going and wanting to yep. keep going. And and partic of particular joy to me is the crafting. Yeah. And so I love to write my first draft, but the actual crafting experience is mm. magic. It is total magic. And yep. you know, it's so self-indulgent like that you can just spend hours looking mm. for the perfect sentence and I know that just sounds so That's right. <laughs> geeky and lame but it's the most beautiful feeling like it's amazing it's torturous yeah. and yeah. it's you know it's hard Words of magic. but mm. to when you fight when you capture that perfect image yep. or you capture that perfect line it's like Mm. Oh. Yeah, right. There's a, there's a rhythm to it, and I guess that explains why poets, and specifically, were so concerned with the ideas of yes. words and their formation. Yeah, get so yeah. high off their own writing. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. totally. Do you know? And this is probably is going to make me sound truly insane, but let's go with it. Let's go um, with it. <laughs> I, I, I'm, can remember when I was working on Stray, mm. and it was hardcore into the deadline, sure, working yeah. crazy hours, like. Mm. crazy crazy long hours and like finally conquering a really difficult <laughs> difficult chapter mm. i i just sort of tumbled into a euphoric state like yeah i don't know if you've ever felt true euphoria <laughs> without chemical uh <laughs> without chemical influence sure but it was it was true euphoria. Like I was mm. as high as a kite, <laughs> and I can remember just going through my house, just laughing Drifting. and la like laughing and laughing, yep. uncontrollably laughing at, of just this euphoria, this incredible joy. So I was probably sleep deprived and yeah. totally like malnutritioned sure. and insane, like lo losing my mind. Um, but yeah, I sort of. And I've always wanted to get there again. I'm like, how can I, like, give me a terrible deadline. I want to feel that again. It was so amazing. You know? <laughs> Fantastic. Ian, your thoughts on writing a series? Yeah, look, it's, it's a massive commitment, but I think that um, authenticity is the thing that sees it through. Um, so, yeah, you can, you can go do a series. It's a great idea. Um, but finding a way to get that authenticity through in the characters during it, it's very important. Mm. Exactly. And I think for me, I think it's keeping it fresh, doing something different with each book. Progressing your story in a natural way. We said yeah. this with Allison, and I think it's interesting yeah. that we dwell on the elements that makes it good. I'm saying it again. 
it is so important to not lose focus with what you're trying to achieve, to yeah. try and aim for the sky, but actually come up short because you've lost focus. And I think it's really important. Well, thank you, Rachel, for coming on to the podcast. My pleasure. It was an absolute pleasure to have you. And uh, I'm sure we'll uh, meet each other again sometime on the, on the ground. Thanks so much. Fantastic. Where can people find you? Uh, where, do you have any books coming out that you'd like to spread? Uh, I'm, I'm any working. announcements of announcements? <laughs> <laughs> I am working on a fourth book. It's not sure. part of the trilogy. It's a standalone. Um, I don't have a date for that yet, but um, you can. <laughs> sh- that will come soon, very soon. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you can find me pretty much in all the usual places. I'm on Twitter. I'm on in Instagram. I'm on Facebook. And I'm on um, Goodreads. I'm very chatty. Come and chat to me. It's great for a podcast. That's for sure. Good. All right. Well, from Ian and I, thank you very much for joining us. And we'll see you in the next episode.